Prophecy, Promise, Timelines. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible, Glitter and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. You know, Mary, one of my favorite holidays we've ever taken uh, was back in 2011, our trip to Turkey with our good friends, Steve and Cheryl. Oh, that was that was the best. Um, we we said we'd go on this trip, but then we spent so long planning, um, looking at maps, choosing hotels. You know, Steve, Cheryl, you, I, we all had our part in finding information. And we spent a lot of time in planning, and in the whole process of planning, I think our anticipation built and built as we got closer and closer to our trip. It did. And I think by the time that we got to Turkey, um, all of us were just pumped. We, we, had, we kind of knew a lot of information. We, we knew what to do, but then we were ready for the adventure. That's right. All that planning and preparation, anticipation was fulfilled when we got there. And that made the trip so much more enjoyable. That's right. And it's, you know, I think that really does reflect how it must have been, you know, by the time of the arrival of Jesus, when we when we open our New Testaments, there had been so much planning. There had, had been a lot of um, talk and, um, and things had been arranged just perfectly for the arrival of Jesus. Well, that's right. The planning goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, from the very first book of the Bible, the very first part of the first book of the Bible, back in Genesis chapter 3. And then it just continues through the story of Abraham, through the story of Israel, through the prophets, all the way to the time of Jesus. So, David, when you say in the early chapters of Genesis, what comes to your mind? Well, I guess the first, quote, prophecy about uh, Jesus would be Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where there it says that uh, God, speaking to the serpent, says, I will put enmity or strife between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and he will, um, he will bruise your head and you will strike his heel. Now, that's kind of fuzzy about what that's getting at, but we know later on, after Jesus comes and born, that that's actually the first prophecy about him and what his purpose was in coming, and that is to rescue the world. So that seed would eventually crush Satan's head. That's right. And that seed continues to develop because God makes a promise to Abraham that through his seed, all nations of the earth will be blessed. And I'm just thinking of, you know, it was those promises, but also even later. But even just going back to that for a minute, when you think of prophecy and promise, and what what would be a definition of prophecy? Well, a prophecy would be um, a word from God. Its origin is in God that God would give to a person, a man generally, uh, to speak his word to his people. And usually the context would be because his people were not living and doing right. And so it would often be a message to warn, but also included in the message would be a message of hope because ultimately God is wanting and planning to bless not only his people, but to bless the world or to save his people and to save the world. So, I mean, I think a lot of times the first thing that comes to mind when people say prophecy is just sort of a prediction of the future. 
you know, of what's going to happen in the future. But it's more than that, isn't it? It's more than that, because, yeah, God does speak about what's going to happen in the future, but it's all related to God's ultimate purpose of blessing or redeeming or rescuing the world. So... I mean, prophecy is probably not a word children would use very often. And I know you you teach adults, but I, of course I teach children. So could I just use the word promise? Is that a close, closely related to the word prophecy? I think they're two related words. I think, like you said, they're not exactly mean the same, but they do overlap because a promise has to do with something that, you know, that's something you, you're going to do in the future. The expectation is that you will actually do it, and prophecy is something that God says He will make happen in the future. And we can trust God in making good on His Word. Well, and I think, I don't know, I I think the trusting God is the, the key lesson from that, because as a child, you know, if our parents say, uh, on Saturday, we're going to have a birthday party for you with presents, you know, as a child, you're so excited because that statement is a truth, <laughs> you know, and and you expect it to happen, and and the parents are putting work into making that happen, and and if that birthday party does not happen, you, you're let down. You're um, you know that they have not fulfilled the thing that they said would happen, and, and it's a letdown. It's a big letdown because that whole time the children are anticipating, you know, for that to happen, and they're counting on their parents to make that happen. I think God so perfectly models that throughout the whole Bible, throughout the whole story of the Bible. He's always saying that he's going to do something and then working out that plan so that it comes to pass. So always, you know, God has never said he's going to do something and then reneges on the promise. He always keeps his promises. Yes, he always makes good on his word. And that's a great lesson for us, isn't it? I mean, it makes me think about how how quickly sometimes I'll say I'll do something, only to think later like, oh, maybe I don't really want to yeah. do that. But but I, I do need to make sure I keep my word and not just say I'll do something and then consider later. I actually need to consider before I make a promise. Right, because our words, they do count and they do matter. And when, you know, when parents or adults are promising something, the children are saying this is what they're going to do, and the children are expecting it. And if the parents come through with that, if they can be trusted in what they say, that's a great model for children in learning how to trust God, because that's what it's ultimately about, that we need to learn to trust God. And I think parents can model that by keeping their word. So you mentioned Genesis. You mentioned um that the seed of Eve um, would come in the future. You mentioned Abraham. It's from Abraham's descendants that um, Jesus would come. What other prophecies in the Old Testament are there that mention the coming of Jesus? Oh, there's quite a few that mention the coming of Jesus. The anointed one, as he's called in the New Testament, or the Messiah. Uh, One of those is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Do you have that? You want to read that? Oh, I do. I actually have it in a International Children's Bible version. A child will be born to us. God will give a son to us. He will be responsible for leading the people. His name will be Wonderful, Counselor, 
powerful God, Father who lives forever, Prince of Peace. Power and peace will be in His kingdom. It will continue to grow. He will rule as king on David's throne and over David's kingdom. He will make it strong by ruling with goodness and fair judgment. He will rule it forever and ever. The Lord of heaven's armies will do this because of His strong love for His people. Wow, there's a lot in that verse that we could talk about. So that's really gives a great description of the Savior that's to come. And that's Isaiah. <laughs> right, that's just one. I mean, there's several others. If we go to the New Testament, Matthew, in his story of the birth of Jesus in chapters 1 and chapters 2, he quotes in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, he quotes Isaiah seven fourteen, which is the well-known promise of God about the uh, the virgin birth. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So another reference to the, the coming Savior. But hey, let's, let's pause a minute there, David, because if you were teaching a bunch of children uh, and you read that verse to them, and what if they said, well, what's a virgin? Okay, well, that's a good question, <laughs> maybe I should say. That would give me maybe time to think of something. If it was older children, you might want to be a little more upfront about what the word actually means, that it's a woman who's not married, who's never had intimate relation with a man. Or if it's younger children, uh, you might say, well, it's a, it's a girl who's not married and she's never even had a boyfriend. Right. That's a, that's probably a, a good way. I mean, you don't want to give more information than a child can handle uh, and leave a little bit for their parents to explain. But no, I, I would say, I mean, a virgin would be a, a man or a woman who had never had a had relationship, uh, a serious relationship with a person of the opposite sex. So I, I think that's plenty for a child. Never had a boyfriend. That So when you talk about Mary gave birth to Jesus— even though she hadn't even had a boyfriend. So what's another one? So I interrupted you there with no, that I mean, fun question. I mean, talking about Matthew, he has several. Uh, that's one from, from Isaiah. In, Ma- in Matthew chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, he quotes Micah chapter 5, verse 2. In Matthew 2, 15, he quotes 11, uh, excuse me, Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1. In Matthew chapter 2, 17 and 18, he quotes from Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 15. I mean, if, I guess if we had more time, we could read these texts. But one of the things I want to point out here is that Matthew is not randomly picking verses here and there and saying they're about Jesus. But what he's doing is he's looking at the whole prophetic text in the Old Testament here from Isaiah and Micah and Hosea and Jeremiah. He's talking, he's really saying that, look, the whole story of Israel is moving forward and it's coming to a climax in the person of Jesus, that God's plans and purposes for rescuing his people are all coming to fulfillment in the person of Jesus. And that's an exciting thing which we can begin to see and put the pieces together like this. It is exciting. I mean, for me, it actually just deepens my faith, knowing that all of this time, God was speaking through all of these prophets. It's, you know, when we talked about planning our trip, 
which was a much smaller thing, you know, but, but we talked about it a lot. We were excited. We brought new things to the table. And, and that's this. Throughout the Bible, it's, it's just mentioning all of the other hints about the coming of the Savior. So by the time He actually arrived, the people were supposed to be well aware and ready for this coming king. Right. There was a sense of anticipation during the time of Jesus' birth that the Jewish people, God's people, because they read the Old Testament and they knew the prophecies. They didn't know exactly how they were going to be fulfilled, but there was this sense of anticipation. And now God sends his son and fulfills all these promises that he made. Well, speaking of anticipation, makes me think I'm really ready to teach my class this next time. I've got some ideas of things I might try. Um, You know, for kids, I think I want to really bring home the point that this was planned for a very long time. That, you know, they've been reading all of these Old Testament stories, and, and they've been great. And now we're switching to the birth of Jesus, but I want to tie that together. I want to make sure they understand, even if it takes taking out their Bible and pointing to those first verses in Genesis and say, look, these start talking about Jesus. And there's mentions over and over and over throughout the Old Testament that Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. I want to build that (laughs) anticipation um, and get them to understand that. Yeah, that's important. So, I mean, you mentioned earlier about that kids relate to the idea of promise more than prophecy. So how would you instill the idea of promise, the importance of promise in a, to children in a, in a class situation? Well, I think that I would try to use everyday examples. Like I mentioned about promise, you know, there's going to be a birthday party or whatever. But I, I mean, children understand anticipation, you know, how many days till Christmas? If you ask a child, they'll they'll tell you. And if you ask them how old they are, they say, you know, six and a half. They, you know, they they look forward. Right. Uh, they're anticipating that next birthday. So I'd want to use those. But also, I think it's you know whether we're teaching adults or children, we want to use just really understandable examples. I mean, so God kept His word. So what does that make me want to do? It makes me want to keep my word. Right. And so I'd probably use some examples of um, if you say, Mom, I'm going to clean my room, and then do you? I want to talk to the children about different things that they say and then fulfill. Um, because I think if they get that idea of I'm going to get up early and get dressed, and then they do it, and then they say, I'm going to brush my teeth two times a day, and then they do it, it's building that idea of I say something and then I fulfill it. It happens. And that's just bringing home that idea that's the same as God. God says something and then He does it. And we can depend on God. We can trust in God. What about in adult class? Would you be, um, I guess, doing some discussion? Yeah. I was just thinking about old song that was still sung. Uh, standing on the promises. Oh yeah, that that's might a good one. Help illustrate uh, about making promises that God makes promises to us, and we can stand on them. Another idea, and I think probably this can be done in a children's class, is as a sort of a uh, inductive study method. It's called the three-column study, where you have a text of scripture and you 
first column, you, you write this text of Scripture down. The second column, you write it in your own words. And this may be adapted a little differently in a children's context. But in the third column, it's where you say, okay, this is what the Bible says. This is what I will do. Or, and implying this is what I will promise to do. So it's instilling this idea that we make promises to God, and we need to keep those promises. I actually use that that method with children. Oh, it's been a few years ago, but um, I use the the passage from Isaiah nine, and I just used verse six to keep it simple. Um, but the the part about for uh, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So I, I went ahead and printed that out in the first column. And then I had the children in the second column write how that made them feel, what they noticed, mm. things they noticed about Jesus. Um, and they went right to, you know, who he is, which I thought was pretty awesome, um, about him being a Prince of Peace, that he brings peace. And and um, about being a counselor, one little boy was quick to say, oh, counselors are good. And it, it may be sad in a way, he, you know, he's been through a whole lot of trauma. But from that, he learned that counselors can help. And so he saw that, he zeroed in on that, and said, Jesus helps people when they're in trouble. Anyway, and then the third column, I said, all right, now write down some, some of those things and think how you could be like Jesus. So helping people, listening to people. Bringing peace when people are fighting, I can try to bring peace to that situation. So, yeah, they in a child's class, they use that three-column method okay. and actually yeah. really brought it home. That's good. That, that can be used for both adults and kids. I think, um, you know, adults have an easier time understanding time passing and chronology for mm-hmm. a child. Today is today. <laughs> it takes, you know, it takes a little maturity as they get older to understand the idea of what happened a long time ago and what happened just recently. So I think I might help them by uh, creating a timeline in my classroom, uh, probably okay. a pictorial one. Okay, yeah, and yeah, we yeah. like art right. <laughs> in our classes. So I might start at the beginning, even on the on a timeline, it would be on the far left of the timeline. I might start with a tree for the Garden of Eden and and talk about Jesus was there, and then create this timeline through some of the Abraham and the prophets that we just mentioned earlier, some of those scriptures. I might just keep moving to the right on that timeline and having more pictures, graphics, words, all the way up until the birth of Jesus, so that they can just see that plan laid out Riding right in front of them from left to right. I think that might help them understand that that passing of time. Yeah, that's a good idea. There are lots more ideas. <laughs> and I'm look, looking forward to your Bible class on the prophecies of Jesus. <laughs> okay. These more ideas, I guess, that I can find these more ideas, your website, www.missionbibleclass.org. Right, those, those are, are for teaching children. Those are for yeah. teaching children, and then there's a story, prophecies fulfilled in Jesus, yeah. you know, just for that. And With some of these scripture references, too, right. for further study. So right. as as you prepare your class to teach, as you want to talk about these things, you can refer back to that. Yeah. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion together. So we want to leave you with a message, just that uh, may God's Word fill you up so that you can now pour His Word out 
and to the children you teach. And God bless you as you continue to speak into the lives of children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's word with children. 